0: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Uh, Hey, thanks Eva. My name is Adam Russell. I'm the pastor here if you're brand new. Really happy that you're with us. Uh, and if you're not brand new, glad you came back. If you want to, this morning you can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Eva read for us the first nine verses, and I'm going to read just a few more verses, and we're going to kind of like take the whole thing together this morning. And what I want to talk to you about uh, as we're here in the room together this morning is this: I want to talk to you about seeking the Spirit, seeking the Spirit. Uh, One of the things that we've been doing for the last five weeks is we've been talking just about how can we be empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been doing for the last five weeks. And I kind of want to give one more message in this series. And what I want to talk about is seeking the Spirit. Like, how can we become people not only who encounter the Spirit, but like, what do you do to encounter the Spirit? And uh, Jesus gives us some things in Luke chapter 11. Of course, Eva read for us the first nine verses, but if it's okay, Kate, I want to put up verse ten through thirteen. This is just continuing on what Eva read earlier. Jesus says this: For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. That's a decent verse to put on your on your on your mirror in your bathroom. You might want to put Luke chapter eleven, verse ten. You know. Uh, Jesus says this, you fathers, you fathers, uh, I think we skipped some verses there, did we? Maybe we didn't. He says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Of course not. Verse 12. "Uh, Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? You can tell this is written in the first century, right? (laughs) Like I was reading that this week going, you know, my kids never ask me for an egg, but okay, I get it. (laughs) I get the point, Jesus. Verse 13. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And that's why we want to talk about seeking the spirit this morning. Jesus is saying uh, that it's the father's pleasure to give what? The Holy Spirit, not just good gifts, but he wants to give the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that Jesus ties this whole thing together at the end, saying, "You know what? Your father wouldn't give you a scorpion if you asked for an egg. And uh, in, in fact, if you come to him, he wants to give you uh, not just the things you're asking for, but what he really wants to give you is the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk to you this morning about seeking the Spirit. And what I want to do is I'd like to do that by beginning here. I want you to remember what it was like to be a child. And I want you to think about uh, those moments when you were a kid, when you really, really wanted something. Uh, in, in fact, one of the things I was thinking about this week is uh, all the ways in which being a kid is really linked to wanting something, isn't it? And it's a unique experience too, because when you're a kid, uh, not only do you have wants, and by the way, uh, that doesn't change even as you become an adult—you still have <laughs> wants. But what's interesting is, is when you're a kid. You're dependent upon uh, other people for everything, right? Not just your wants, but also your needs. And so there's something about being a child. There's something about being a child that is, that is fundamentally connected to asking. That's just what it is. Like if you have a, a little kid in your house, if you're a parent here this morning or, or maybe you're not a parent. Maybe, maybe you babysit your sister's kids sometimes, you know? Uh, maybe you're an aunt. Maybe, maybe you're an uncle. Or maybe you're the next-door neighbor girl who babysits the punk kids from across the street. One of the things you'll, you'll figure out real quick is uh, if there's a little kid in your house, they're asking you for something. <laughs> and if you're a fun person, they're asking you for a lot of stuff, right? But what do kids want? Like if you're babysitting kids, what do they want? They, they always want food. There's, there's literally never a moment when a kid doesn't want food. Uh, I, was, I was laughing yesterday. Uh, Rowan had a couple cousins come over and they were playing in the backyard. I think they played in the backyard 38 seconds before they all came in and they said, you got any snacks in here? Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just fundamental to what it means to be a child. Like, being a child is, is always asking, you're always wanting and you're always asking because you need, you need somebody to help you with everything, right? But then if you think a little deeper, um, you'll probably remember being a kid and not just wanting some food, but there's some other stuff you want. You want a dog, don't you? You know what every kid wants? Every kid wants a dog. And you know what good parents do? They get their kids a dog. And some of you here have not gotten your kid a dog. And I want to tell you right now, I'm on the kid's side. Like even evil fathers know you give dogs to your children. Some of you are like, I don't think that's in the Bible. (laughs) It is in the Bible. I don't know. It's not in the Bible. But kids want dogs, man. I'm telling you, there's not a kid alive who doesn't want a dog. Uh, Kids want pets. Kids want pets. Like if we had 100 pets at our house, Rowan would still ask me for another pet. Came in the other day, he told me, he's like, Dad, I'm not, I'm not eating meat anymore. I'm, I, I'm, I'm like, why? He goes, because I'm an animal guy. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, Dad, every piece of meat has a face. That's what he told me. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, where did this propaganda come from? I looked at him, I told him, a delicious face. <laughs> kids want pets, man. Like, kids want pets, kids want a dog. Um, and if you were, if, I'm, I'm 43, so if you were a kid when I was a kid, and if you were a boy, I'm sorry I don't have a girl example here, forgive me, but if you were a boy when I was growing up, man, you, you didn't just want a dog, you wanted a BB gun too, you know? <laughs> Man, I remember the first time I finally got that BB gun. The first thing I did, I went out in the side yard and I saw a tree, and I shot the tree, and the BB came right back and hit me. You know? And it was great. It was great. You're like, this is this is great. Yeah, when you're a kid, you rely on adults for all kinds of stuff. Your your wants and your needs. But but here's what's weird: if you come from a decent, stable family, um, we're, we'll fix that later, okay? <laughs> who who is that, right? Like, but if you come from a decent and stable family, uh, it's it's the wants. It's the wants that that draw reality to the surface. You know, I remember wanting a BB gun. I remember wanting certain baseball cards. That was another thing. Let me just tell you, I hate baseball. Like, sorry, Ray you know, I think it's pretty boring, but I will say this, the steroid era of baseball in the mid nineties was actually fun to watch. I mean, there were, there were he-men like everyone looked like, everyone looked like the Hulk and they could all hit home runs. You guys remember Mark McGuire? He had arms as big as your legs. And people were like, people were like this guy, he's a, he's a magician. And then there was Sammy Sosa. And, and there was Barry Bonds. And you know what? We could have, we could have still had the steroid era in baseball if, if, if Barry Bonds hadn't been a jerk. <laughs> Maybe I'd like it. But, but, but I don't know what I'm talking about this morning. <laughs> but what I want to say is I wanted baseball cards. That's what, was, that's what I'm trying to say. I've told all those stories to say this. We've spent the last five weeks talking about the Holy Spirit, and today I want to talk about I want to talk about seeking the Spirit. And uh, the passage from Luke 11. Uh, there's a good chance you've heard some of the verses we've read today before. Uh, it's got Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer in it. Uh, it's got that bit about ask, uh, seek, and knock. And uh, really, the truth is. All the verses that we've read this morning, they're about prayer. It starts with the Lord's Prayer, and then Jesus tells this story, and he's, he's telling a story that's connected to the prayer he just gave his disciples. So the disciples are like, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus is like, well, you should pray like this. And then he goes right into storytelling, and the story he tells is connected to the prayer he just gave them. And the story is about, it's about some friends, and it's a pretty funny story. Uh, especially in the New Living Translation, here's essentially what happens. Uh, a friend goes to another friend, okay? So we, it, the word friend is used so many times it gets confusing. So basically what happens is this. Seth goes to River's house, okay? And River is already asleep in bed with all of his children. <coughs> One day. He, he's in. It's like two in the morning. And... Seth is like, brother, another friend, Jacob, has come to my house. (laughs) Where's Jacob at? (laughs) This story is very accurate, isn't it? (laughs) And Jacob has no, he's, he's traveling, and Seth's like, I've got no bread for Jacob. And River says to Seth, go away. I'm already asleep, Right? And, and because Seth just won't quit knocking, uh, the Bible uses the word shameless. Because of his shameless persistence, River gets up and gives Seth everything that he needs for Jacob. Does that make sense? Yeah. And by the way, that story that Jesus tells, it's connected to teach us how to pray. All right. What's the point of the story? Like, you, you should come to the person who has the stuff you need and you should not take no for an answer. You should keep knocking on the door. And by the way, the envelope that all of this sits inside, the container that it all sits inside of is friendship. Okay? I want you to think of that. I want you to put it deep in your mind. Like, like what is this thing that we do with God that has to do with prayer? What is this thing that we do with God that has to do with asking, seeking, and knocking? It, it, whatever it is, it's sitting inside the container of friendship. You know? It's sitting inside of the container of of something that's that's deeply relational and 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 fun and and also also uh, it's breaking apart this stereotype that a lot of us have that like God is this distant curmudgeon who mostly wants to say no, you know. Instead, it's it's something different. It's friendship, and it's the kind of friend that you could that you could bug, and it's the kind of friend that you could even like persist with. And because of that, there'll be an answer coming. And, and I can't even think of this without even thinking of my friend Richard over here. Like how many times, how many times have I had to call Richard because I was in a pickle? You know, hey, Richard, something's broken at my house. Hey, Richard, my car doesn't work. Hey, Richard, whatever it is. Right. And, and Richard's the kind of friend, you know, knock, knock, knock. Richard's the kind of friend that you could call at any moment. And even if he were already settled in his house with his family, he would put on his coat and come find you, right? Uh, What kind of person is that? It's a friend. And that's what Jesus is saying prayer is like. Like prayer is like when you come to God, you're coming to a friend. It's the container. It gives him everything that you need. And then Jesus says, that famous little thing. He says, if you ask, it'll be given. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. And then he finishes with another flourish and he tells another like real short story. He says, what kind of father, if his kid came to him and wanted, 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 some, wanted some, some, like, some food, would give him a serpent. And then if another kid came and said, dad, I want an egg, would give him a scorpion. He's like, well, No father would do that. And in fact, even you evil fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does the heavenly father want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So there's what we've got this morning. That's kind of like the whole passage put together. The whole thing's about prayer. And then Jesus says, man, you got to lean in. You got to ask, seek, and knock. But then he finishes with the Father wants to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And I think that's the interesting part about this. There's a bunch of stuff we can say about prayer, but I love that Jesus finishes with uh, not only are people asking for all kinds of things, but what the Father wants to give is he wants to give the Spirit. Uh, Sometimes people hear stories about the Holy Spirit or sometimes they read the scriptures and they see the activity of the Spirit and it provokes something in their heart. Uh, Desire begins to grow and sometimes people wonder Well, how do we encounter the spirit? You know, Uh, we've been telling some stories here for the last five weeks. Uh, We've had some stories that are not from the distant past, but are from the near future, like things that have happened recently. And, And I've even had people come up to me in the last couple of weeks and go, well, I'd like that to be something that's real in my life. How many of you all remember just like three weeks ago when Kate came up here and said, some people at the ladies group prayed for me and my liver thing that I'd had for a year like completely went away. And not only did it go away, but like the scan said it was away. It wasn't just I felt like it was gone. It was like the scan said it was gone, right? And then how many of you heard that story and were like, I want that to be true in my life. You know, how do we, how do we encounter the spirit? Uh, the first thing I would like to say to the church this morning is this, uh, that it's by prayer, and if you're here today, and you'd like a greater measure of the Spirit's power in your life, uh, I would like to say to you this: uh, You got to start praying. Uh, if you'd like the gifts of the Spirit to become active in your life, ask God. Uh, if you if you find yourself wanting to be filled with the Spirit, uh, ask, seek, and knock by prayer. Uh, if there's if there's brownies in the house, how often do the kids ask? Till they're gone. That's the right answer. The, the kids will ask for brownies until they're gone. And, and, and that's the way it works in the church too. Like if you want a greater encounter, if you want a greater experience with the spirit of God, you should ask by prayer. Probably you've noticed that all these stories together this morning, probably you've noticed that, that they're linked by this idea of persistence. You know, the friend keeps on knocking shameless persistence. Jesus says ask, seek and knock and then he says, you know, if you come wanting an egg, you're not going to get a scorpion. Like just like come to me. And there's there's this link in all of these that has to do with persistence and it's one of the things that's true of children as well. Kids just persist. Uh, by the way, not only do kids persist, but they think nothing of it. Kids don't even kids don't even know to be embarrassed about it, do they? Kids are never embarrassed when there's, when there's candy on the line or a new movie, they just, they just keep asking. And that's part of what Jesus is saying here. Uh, not only are we to ask, but we should keep on asking. Uh, in the story that Jesus tells, a friend comes knocking in the middle of the night and he won't take no for an answer. And so what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to take a moment or two here and I'd like to share with you a couple keys for persistence. Number one, uh, number one, if you're taking notes, keys to persistence, number one. Uh, Wants and needs. You can just put that down. Wants and needs. And then number two, confidence in God. I want to talk to you for a moment about wants and needs. Uh, Jesus is getting into the substance of the human heart here in this passage. Uh, In the first story, the friend comes for bread. And he comes for bread because another friend has arrived and he has nothing for him. He's got a need. And it's not just his need, but it's the need of his friend. I think that's actually important. We should underline that. Like you want, you, want, you want more of the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life? Well, you should, you should pray, you should, you should ask God, but especially when it's not just my needs, but when I'm being provoked because of the needs of others. Man, this is a prayer that God loves to ask. How many of us spend a lot of time praying for our needs, but really, like if we begin to lean into that section of things that we know exist in the world, that are other, like when other people's needs begin to, begin to put a, put a claim on my life that I literally can't, can't live up to, all of a sudden I've become a huge target for the move of the Spirit. We should ask for the Spirit because we have needs, but we should especially ask for the Spirit when it's connected to the needs of others. Uh, if you get in touch with the needs of the world, and by the way, it doesn't, doesn't take long to do that. Get in touch with the needs of the world. Uh, get in touch with the needs of your friends uh, bring that particular thing to the surface of your life. Um, one of the things that I've learned is this: uh, sometimes, as we get older, we shelter ourselves from the needs of others, uh, especially, especially uh, as we age. But especially, especially as we get richer, uh, the richer that we get, the more that we shelter ourselves from the needs of others. Uh, this is this is almost universally true: that the richer people become, the more isolated. From the hurt and the want and the needs of the poor that people become. Uh, there's a reason why people live in gated communities, like keep everything else away. Uh, there's a reason why the CEO doesn't talk to the people in the warehouse, you know. And it's not just because the, the CEO needs to sit in the, the corner office and get vision, but it's it's sometimes it's this like this separation that creeps in. And some of it, it doesn't even have to do with having a bad heart either, right? It's just the more, the more age we get, the more experience we get in life, uh, the richer that we get in life, oftentimes a greater separation uh, begins to exist between us and the needs of the world. Uh, sometimes, sometimes that's just something that happens. Sometimes, not only that, but sometimes we try to maintain a kind of distance in our lives between us and the needs of those around us. And, and here's one reason we do that. Because when you start getting around needy people, it gets complicated. How many of you have ever noticed that, that needy people are complicated people? If you haven't, you will. <laughs> like when you, encounter, when you encounter people whose lives are, are broken, uh, when you encounter the poor, uh, I, I just want to tell you, you're always encountering something very complicated. You, you'll never meet Poor people with simple needs, it's always complicated. Fixing it is always, it's rarely, rarely, rarely simple. And so one of the reasons we look for ways to maintain distance between us and the needs of others is because, man, it's just a hairball of stuff. And it's oftentimes very difficult to pull it apart and put it back together in a way that makes sense quickly. But here's what we know. If we, if we, make, if we make the needs of others uh, available to us, if we become vulnerable to the needs of others, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden we'll begin to pray in a new way. And that's a prayer that, that the father wants to ask. Like when our friends have something and we're unable to deliver, oh, that's the place that God shows up. And then in the second little story, Jesus talks about fathers and kids. The kids come asking for fish and eggs. It says, you don't give a serpent. Or a scorpion. And in this way, uh, this is a story where we're not talking about needs so much, we're just talking about wants, right? The kids are like, Dad, I want a fish. Dad, I want an egg. Again, Jesus says it's the Father's pleasure to give the Spirit. Now, in both stories, the thing that connects is that all of them contain food bread in the first. It's a friend needing bread. And in the second story, there are children who are wanting fish and eggs. So we got bread, we got fish, and we got eggs. And all of them are essential for life, especially in the ancient world where there's no Kroger. Right? So Jesus is telling these two stories, one about needs, the second about wants. The thing that connects them all is food And there's no grocery stores to speak of. I mean, there's some markets, but there's no grocery stores to speak of in the ancient world. And so bread, fish, and eggs, Jesus just outlined like the essentials for your life. Not not for happiness, for your life. For your life. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the, the little flourish that Jesus ends with, that God loves to give the Spirit. The Spirit of God is not an addendum to our lives it's not simply the bit tacked on to the end it's elemental so jesus is telling these stories about people wanting bread or fish and eggs and then he says at the end that god wants to give the spirit what jesus is saying and tying all this together is that his that his desire that you would have the spirit it's elemental. It's not something you just add on to the end, like your and, and my need for the spirit. It, it's, not, it's not a candy bar. It's, it's actually like essential nutrition. Like what is it that we really need? Oh, the thing we really need, the thing that actually keeps us alive is an ongoing encounter and experience with the Holy Spirit. And your father wants to give it to you. It's food for our lives. And because it's food, it speaks to hunger. Uh, Because it's food, it speaks to appetite. There's a sense in which all of our appetites are really pointing to something else. Uh, You might be in the room this morning and you might be hungry. Maybe you need a donut. But maybe you have a hunger that's deeper than that. You might name it consumerism. Uh, You might name it lust. Or you might name it boredom. But here's what it actually is. It's it's actually something deeper. It's a desire that can ultimately only be satisfied in God. That's why we have to ask, seek, and knock. When Jesus is telling these stories about bread and fish and eggs, and when he says that the Father wants to give the spirit. He's saying this stuff is essential to your life. And because it's food, it's speaking to this idea of appetite. And what this means is that whatever appetites are ruling your life, whatever it is that's stirred up either now or in some other portion of your life, uh, whatever that is, it's just a, it's a fake appetite. And it's pointing to the real appetite, which is the one that actually sustains us, which is our need for God. Like you, you may be here this morning. And you may say, I'm a hungry person. And here's what I want you to know. Whatever, you're hungry, whatever your hunger is, it's actually a hunger for God. So how do we persist? Number one, getting in touch with our true hungers. Wants and needs. Number two, confidence in God. Uh, we can ask and keep on asking because we have confidence in God. Today in the text, Jesus says, that God is both a friend and a father. That's what he says. In the first story, it's about friendship. and the second one, he switches, like in typical Jesus fashion, without giving any explanation. He goes from friendship stories to father stories. And what is he saying to us this morning? Well, your, your God is a friend and a father. All right, here's what's really interesting for people who have children. Uh, one of the really weird things that happens when you have kids is this. When they're born, when they're born, they're your children. And then when they get older, they become your friends. And so Jesus is telling this story about friendship and, and fatherhood. And on the surface, they, they don't feel like they're linked. But, it, but in reality, and anybody who has a family that's even a little bit healthy, you'll know this is true. Your children, they're born, you hold them for the first time and they're just your little kids, you know? And you love them so much. But then as they get older, they become your friends and you love them in a brand new way. It's one of the real gifts. Jesus is saying that your heavenly father is your father and he's a friend. He's the one who's already in bed, but he's willing to get up. By the way, that little note in Luke chapter 11, where the where the where the father is in bed with his kids and he says to his friend, I'm not getting up, go away. And the friend just keeps beating on the door. It says in Luke, it says he gets up and gives him everything he needs, right? By the way, that's a, uh, that's a, that's a little harmonic resonance of resurrection. Uh, the father was laid down and he gets up and supplies everything that his friend needs. It is friendship and fatherhood. And in both stories, the answer from God is yes. We can ask and keep on asking because God, uh, God is your father and he is your friend. Uh, you're not bothering him. Uh, we're not putting him off. We're not ruining anything. Uh, we can let our confidence in his nature grow. Some of us, some of us in the room have grown up with untrustworthy fathers. Uh, maybe you had a father who broke trust and not just broke trust once, but broke trust often. Like maybe, maybe you had the classic alcoholic dad, or maybe you had a dad who had one affair after another, or maybe you had a dad who was verbally and physically abusive in the home. And there's just like one kind of trust broken after another. And so I'm sitting here telling you this morning, like, put your confidence in God. He's a friend and a father. And you're like, man, my dad is jacked. It's hard to do that. Not only that, some of us in the room have been desperately wounded by our close friends. Can I tell you one of the dangers about friends? We always talk about the good stuff about friends, don't we? Uh, one, of the, one of the dangers about friends is uh, when you become friends with people, you become vulnerable with each other. And when you know each other's vulnerabilities, man, you can really stick it to each other, can't you? Yeah, who can hurt you the most? The people closest to you. Yeah, some of us here, uh, we grew up maybe with untrustworthy fathers, and maybe others of us in the room have been desperately wounded by friends. Well, here's what I'd like to say to you. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. We can put this up. I was thinking about this this week. It says this, "...there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother." Uh, Here's what I would like to say to the church this morning. There is a friend who stays closer than a brother. Uh, And there is a father you can count on. Uh, The idea of father in the Bible, it doesn't just show up with Jesus. It goes all the way back into the Exodus story. In Exodus chapter 4, the Lord declares that Israel is his firstborn son. We can put that up. Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. Then I will tell you, This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. Proverbs says there's a friend who stays closer than a brother. And and this father thing, it doesn't just start with Jesus. It goes all the way back to that whole Exodus thing. And and God the Father says, Israel is my firstborn son. By the way, when God says this in Exodus chapter 4, this was the moment when Israel was enslaved by Egypt and they needed rescued. Maybe you had a father who put heavy weights on you. Uh, Maybe you had a father who wasn't there for you. Uh, Maybe you've had friends and you discovered they were not your friends. But here's what I'd like to say this morning. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother uh, and a father who declares over you like he did Israel, you are my firstborn son. You are my firstborn daughter. And his name is Jesus. You are my son And you make me happy. Uh, What can I say this morning to the church? I can say this. You want to grow in persistence, become very aware of not just your wants, but your needs, especially the needs of those around you. But then let your confidence in God grow. Uh, He is a friend. He's a friend who stays closer than a brother. And he is a good father who will not give scorpions and he will not give serpents Instead, he declares over you, you are my firstborn daughter. You are my son and you make me happy. This is the heart of God. So how do we encounter the Spirit? By asking. Ask and keep on asking. Like how do we become Holy Spirit people? How do we become a Holy Spirit church? We do this by asking and keep on asking. That's what we're going to do this morning. If you're on the worship band, why don't you come on up? And we're going to take the next moment or two, and we're going to ask God that he, would, uh, that he would do the things that he says he would do, which is to give the Spirit liberally. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.